0: Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. My name is Spencer Powell, the president here at Builder Funnel. And each episode, we bring you marketing and sales strategies to fuel growth for your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to episode number 17 of Builder Funnel Radio. This week, I've got Tim Mush with me from Market Sharp, and we break down the sales and marketing process. And he's Got seven steps that we talk about and dive into. That if you can improve just a little bit in each one of these areas, you can actually see your business grow 61%. So I think you'll really get a lot out of this week's episode. And I hope you enjoy. Again, this is episode 17 with Tim from Market Sharp. Hey, Tim, glad to have you on the show today. Well, thanks, Spencer. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for, for the episode today. We're going to dive into a, a lot of good detail around the marketing and sales process and looking forward to uncovering your, your system that you talk about. But uh, before we get into all that exciting sales and marketing stuff, maybe you can just give our audience a little bit of background. You know, How would you get into the, the sales and marketing world for contractors?
1: Yeah, happy to. I um, actually started a few decades ago. Um, Back when I was in the window replacement business and uh, the business was going well and things were awesome and we were doing a retail business and a few of our friends around us said, hey, what are you guys doing? Because they thought we were doing pretty well. And we said, well, you know, we're kind of doing this window business. They said, would you tell us more about it? And the thing is, we were in a town of about 18,000 people. And these guys were asking questions, kind of giving us an idea that, hey, they want to go into business just like us. (laughs) And we weren't so crazy about that. But we did say this. We said, hey, if you're willing to move, we'll certainly tell you everything we know about this business, not that we have all the answers. So what happened then is we actually started a wholesale business on top of the retail business, set up four or five of our friends in cities right around us. Lo and behold, they all became as or more successful than us. (laughs) And of course, what we thought is, Wow, let's do this 100 times. (laughs) So we tried. Um, The next dealer we set up was farther away, like Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which was about 200 miles from us in central Wisconsin. And we set one up in Green Bay about 100 miles from us. And what I learned quickly is the farther out we got with these guys, we lost touch with them, and they weren't able to achieve the same degree of success as our little close-knit group where we cooperatively advertised and things such as that. So our dream kind of died of this gigantic thing that was going to be like McDonald's, you know. But for some reason, Spencer, I don't know why, what came to my mind right then is a computer. Never had used one, never turned one on. Frankly, not many people had them back then. (laughs) And uh, I thought, gee, if we could just create a program and put at people's fingertips all the things we think they should do and know about this business, maybe then we can continue to set these guys up all across the country and carry on our dream. So I went and bought a little Macintosh computer, back then they were really expensive, and uh, figured out how to program the thing. And it took me a couple years, but I ended up putting together a program that in today's terminology is known as a CRM program. Back then they didn't even exist. Uh, But I put this thing together to help us in our business and lo and behold, by the time I was done with the program, we were out of the wholesale business and just doing retail, Uh, decided we really didn't wanna do that anymore. But I had this program. And one day, a window supplier came in from Minneapolis and, and said, what's that? And I said, well, first off, that box there is a computer. <laughs> he says, oh, okay, yeah, I, I get that. What does it do? So I showed him. And then he said, hey, would you mind showing my boss that thing? I said, oh, I guess so. So up to Minneapolis, we go and show his boss what we've created here. And his boss said, hey, would you show my dealers this thing? We got a dealer meeting <laughs> coming up. And I went, oh, I guess, why not? So he had a meeting at a hotel, which is now the Mall of America parking lot. And uh, there was 100 people in that room and I was up in front with a little nine-inch Macintosh computer, no projectors back then or anything, <laughs> talking about this crazy thing uh, that was going to help their business. And I st- spoke to them for seven hours that day. Wow. I have no idea what I said. <laughs> but at the end of it, eight of them raised their hand and said, can I have one of those? And I went, well, I guess. <laughs> and that's how this business started. It's now turned into about 4,000 companies that use our current product, which is called Market Sharp, And um, that's accountable for about $2.5 billion in remodeling revenue that gets funneled through it. So that's how it got started. Spencer kind of got started the way many things do um, just by finding a need and doing your best to
0: fill it. Yeah, that that's awesome and I love the the story in the background and and it's so true. I mean, that is how some of the best things do get started and created is somebody says, "Hey, you're doing something cool. Can I have that too?" and then you you build on that and you make changes and iterations. I'm sure what you've got today looks nothing like what it looked like when you first had that that program on the Mac. So <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah. So today we wanted to to kind of expand on that topic of CRM and thinking about the the sales world and marketing and how they're related. And I know you talked to a lot of companies around, you know, around the country around how do you how you can actually grow your business by over 60%. And that seems like a pretty big number, you know, especially if you're, you know, doing a pretty sizable volume. And I guess how do we How do we break that down and and make that a reality?
1: Yeah, well, let's talk about that 60% figure. In fact, let's change that to 61% and (laughs) and that'll become clear as we get through this. Um, Seems like a lot, but what I hope to accomplish here in the next few minutes by discussing all this stuff with you is, is giving the listeners motivation to understand that they can grow their business by substantial amounts like that, not that they have to. But in this particular case, the hope is that what we share here today is going to allow business to grow by 61% but here's the thing you only got to get 10% better at what you do to accomplish that see it's it happens in little small chunks that compound against each other so what i'd like to do here for the next few minutes is is talk about these small chunks and kind of add it all up at the end and see what we end up with And i think many people on a on the call or in the podcast here today will at the end of it go, wow, never kind of thought of things that way. Um, That's, that's truly how we can grow by a lot without getting a ton better
0: at any one thing. So that's kind of the idea. Yeah, it makes sense. And I mean, to your point, if you just get a little bit better in several areas it can add up to a lot, but maybe not feel like a lot, like you had to make all these major shifts and changes. And so uh, I guess what, let's lay out the steps. What are those chunks that you have to get better in?
1: All right, Um, certainly there's plenty of things we could talk about today, but I I just wanna focus on about seven, what I call steps in the sales and marketing process. But before I identify them, and we're gonna go through each one individually, very briefly here, I just wanna talk about something and kinda lay the groundwork for these seven things we're about to to chat about. I wanna refer back to someone that is well-known in Wisconsin, ex-coach of the Green Bay Packers in the 60s, Vince Lombardi, and if you've never googled some of Vince Lombardi's quotes, you really should, because he's got a ton of wisdom out there, and one I like is he says this, he says, some people try to find things in this game that don't exist, but football is only two things, blocking and tackling, and many people might think, wow, that's kind of interesting because I watch football now and it's all about a high speed passing game or flamboyant running backs and things such as that And, and certainly it is but think about this if blocking and tackling were not in place those elements of the game wouldn't do very well so he had it down and what he would do what Vince Lombardi would do every spring training camp he'd get these world champions who just won the first Super Bowls in the training room, and you'd start off this way. He'd say, Gentlemen, and he'd have a football in his hand. He'd say, This is a football. And you might think, Well, this guy's just won the Super Bowl and he's starting there? Absolutely. <laughs> See, Vince Lombardi was a true believer in the basics blocking, tackling, and so forth. So, as it relates to today's topic, some of the things we're going to chat about when we reveal what these seven things are, you, Many people on the podcast might go, Well, there's nothing new there. You know, and really what they are are the basics of the sales and marketing process. So with that in mind, how about I list them first, Spencer, and then we'll kind of dive into each one very briefly. Yeah. Let's and then we'll kind of circle back at the end and see see about that concept of growing by sixty one percent and only getting ten percent better. So here's what they are. First one is generating inquiries, early generation, obvious. Um, next one is what I call the call, whether it's inbound or outbound, uh, oftentimes many people confuse that with the lead. And in some cases there can be an inbound call, which is a lead, but you want to separate those two things in your mind. The third one is something we call lead warming. And again, might not be terminology that's very familiar to many people, but we'll get into that. Then of course, the presentation itself and then systematic lead follow-up. I prefer to use the terminology there, lead nurturing in today's marketing world. And then creating raving fans. Don't think that's a surprise to anybody. That's really a goal we got to have. Then, of course, repeat and referral strategies. So, those are the seven. And when you combine these things and you get a little better at every one, it's incredible what kind of results you can get. So, with that in mind, how about we dive into each one of these seven, just kind of share some specific ideas and and see if we can come up with some things that could help folks on the podcast here today.
0: Yeah, definitely and I'm sure you know we could probably talk about each one of the seven for quite a while but yeah, let's let's dive in and see if we can hit all seven in a, in a meaningful way and uh, so you said step 1 was generating inquiries, right? Or you know, lead generation. I did. So, before we get into that, one thing I want to
1: preface this whole conversation with is something very important. And what that is is you got to give Your clients and experience—that's just awesome. Imagine this: you're in Wisconsin, you're driving to work one day, you drive by a cow pasture, and you see a field off in the in the right, and it's loaded with cows. And most of them, if you've never been here, are black and white. And let's say you're driving by here, and you see all the black and white ones, but there's one that stands out to you—it's a purple one. What's the first thing you do when you get to work? To the first person you see? you answer to that about is, that thing. <laughs> You are. You can't believe what I just saw on my way to work today. I saw a purple cow. In other words, the experience you just had was truly remarkable in the literal sense of the word. Couldn't help but make remarks about it. So the point is, give your clients an experience like that. Now, the bad news about that is, many of us in this industry all sell very similar products. In fact, many of us sell the same products our competitors sell. And I know some of you are saying, no, 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 my window's got a different lock on it. Well, so I'm not so sure that's a huge differentiator. <laughs> so figure out a way to make your experience awesome and remarkable in the literal sense of the word. So I got, a, I got a recommendation, Spencer, of a book to read to get some ideas of how to do this. Perfect. And lo and behold, it's called The Purple Cow. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Godin. <laughs> Seth Godin. It's, yeah. it's been around for a while. But it's still certainly relevant and it'll stimulate your thinking to try to create something unique about your offering that's different than your competitors, even though you might sell the same stuff. Oftentimes you can't make this awesome experience just with the product you sell. You gotta do something beyond that. Absolutely. So that being said, yeah, it, it makes a whole lot of sense. And 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 many companies out there don't do this. They just blend in with every one of their competitors and then to a consumer, it's all about price then guess they all look alike. They're offering the same kind of stuff. They all feel the same. Don't do that. Figure yeah, out a way to be truly different.
0: Yeah, we see a lot of companies where it's, you know, we, we're a family owned or we've been in business for 20 years or 30 or whatever the number is. And those aren't really differentiators. So I'm glad you, you brought that up. And uh, we'll definitely make sure to link up the, the book in the show notes so people can snag a copy of that. Awesome. All right. With that handle,
1: let's go ahead and talk about ways to generate inquiries. And and you're right, this, this conversation could go on for days if we <laughs> wanted it to. So just picking a couple out that, that makes sense, again, thinking of it from the aspect of the basics that maybe we should be doing. I'm thinking one thing that, that we should continue to, to get better at is working around job sites that we complete. I mean, what could be a better setup than having a happy customer, having a job site in the yard, maybe explaining to them a referral program you might have, having all the homes around there probably similar to what their needs are, to the one you just did a job with. What could be a better setup for you to potentially get another job for every job you sell and install? And this isn't new. There's people been doing this for years and years and years, either with direct mail or canvassing or door hangers, things such as that. You know, my advice is bring it up into today's technology world. And uh, here at Market Sharp, we created something called Smart Mail Plus, which automatically gets postcards out to the neighbors, but then it drives them to a dynamically created web page with information about the job you just created, pictures of the job, which are also on the postcard, by the way. And it really works great. And uh, it incorporates things like uh, personalized URLs, meaning that every postcard that goes out got a unique code on it. So when, when somebody says, hey, I want that consumer guide that you're offering, uh, they're prompted to put in their unique code to get to that page. And then we know they're there, even if they don't respond by filling in a form or anything. And then the particular contractor gets an email saying, hey, somebody's kicking tires on your website, follow up. If they fill out the form, you get a different type of email that says you got a hot lead, really follow up. So, you know, have a goal throughout your whole company to do whatever you can to get another job for every job you install. I like to call that micro marketing rather than shotgun advertising. And you really can accomplish that and you'll find your marketing costs will go down so I'm not sure if you've got anything to add on on that particular topic spencer but that that's one that many people miss out on
0: yeah i think it's, it's super, the technology. super powerful just because you know to your point you've you've done a job you've completed a job we're assuming you've done a great great project and the customer is happy and yeah i mean whatever radius you pick whether that's you know the closest 50 homes or 250 homes or whatever that number is i mean You got to think that there's somebody in that neighborhood, at least one, if not, you know, two, three, four, five or more that uh, could use your product, your service at that time. And then there's probably dozens of others that are maybe ready to buy a year from now or, um, you know, down the road a little ways. So. I think to your point, you know, one is super achievable and, and you could probably get a lot more out of it than, than just that. Absolutely.
1: Just makes sense. How about a couple more lead gen things? Uh, shows and events. You know, a lot of companies over the years, they do shows and events to get their business going and then they, and then they get tired of them. That's what I see. And they say, I'm not doing those things because I got 14 competitors that are there and I just don't like fishing through that stuff. Well, there again, I would say, figure out a way to differentiate yourself from everybody else that's there. Have your booth different. You know, if you go, if you go walk a show, uh, regardless of what type it is, and just kind of look at the booths and how people are managing them and working them, you're going to figure out that many companies are not very good at that. Their booths all say the same thing. They got a big sign in them that has their company name. Most consumers could care less. So design your booth just like you would an ad. Make sure it's customer centric meaning some things in there that are really speaking to that particular person walking by and getting them interested in in what you have from their viewpoint, not all about you. And then be proactive. You know, I don't know if you've spent much time at shows and events, Spencer, but it's really kind of comical to walk around with like a camera and take pictures or videos of the staff working these booths (laughs) with these contractors. They're sitting behind tables on their phone texting waiting for people to engage them and things such as that. And just don't do that. Get aggressive. Get out in the aisles. Have a reason for people to talk to you. Shows and events. The successful companies I see out there, oftentimes they're doing shows and events and doing them very well. So that's another one I think oftentimes we overlook and maybe should be reconsidered in many cases.
0: Now, do you recommend uh, doing a certain number of shows a year? Is it more about doing the same shows over and over and, and doing a good job while you're there? Well, I see it both ways.
1: I see some of the largest home improvement companies out there doing one ton of shows. You know, they're doing in some cases, a hundred, 150 shows a year. They're all staffed and they got people that are very good at it. Now, in many cases, it's a primary lead source for them. So I don't know if that fits everybody. In some cases, you don't have that many options for shows, but here's, Here's one thing I think everyone should consider, you know, don't think of your show options as only the, the annual home show in your town, you know, reach out and go to shows that aren't really related to what you do. You know, it could be a popcorn festival, you know, or it could be something like that where you're the only person in your product categories there. And certainly people are going to look at you and go, huh? (laughs) That's more, it gives them more reason to even talk to you. So, so Go to some local organization that has a list of all these types of events, pick some out, give it a go. Some of them are very inexpensive, and you can get this exposure without a whole lot of cost. So kind of tiptoe your way into doing a bunch of these different types of events, and I, th- I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with the kind of results you can get.
0: Yeah, I, I like that. That's that's part of being different, too, I'm, I would imagine, and so I think that's a good good suggestion for those of you listening, you know, you're going to look at your standard home shows and those sorts of things, but yeah, try to find a couple of unique ones. Um, yeah. I think that's a great suggestion, Tim.
1: All right. How about one more thing on lead gen, then we'll move on to the next thing. And with lead gen, you, you, any conversation with lead generation, you got to have a conversation about your web strategies. What are you doing online to make your website work for you? Because what's happening out there, is however you're marketing, whether it's traditional offline marketing, like some of the things we've talked about, or whether it's pay-per-click or whatever whatever the case may be, you know, you got people going online to find out more about you. Even if they got that direct mail piece with that job around your recently completed job, they're going to check you out online. And you've gotta have a web strategy that converts. So my only advice here is to get some help in this part of your business from some companies that know what they're doing in this business. See, we're not selling pizza here. We're, we're selling a whole different deal. And the process that people go through to buy what we sell is a little different. And <laughs> you really should work with some companies that know what they're doing here and can advise you properly. Don't think that the, all you have to do is, is give a bunch of product literature to your geek brother-in-law who says, hey, I can put up a website for you <laughs> because he's probably going to put something up that maybe even looks pretty, but likely won't convert. It's all about conversion online. So advice, get some help. And I know Spencer and I certainly can give some suggestions to some companies that do a great job helping people in our space get their web strategies in order. So any comments from you there?
0: Yeah, I think it's a great suggestion. And I like your comments around, um, you know, the the brother-in-law or son-in-law or whoever happens to be just building a, a pretty site. We actually just recorded a video recently talking about the same thing, which is there's a difference between a website looking good, so the aesthetics and performance, you know, so... Just because you spent a bunch of money redoing your website, now it looks prettier, it looks better, doesn't necessarily guarantee that that's going to drive more people to it and, and get more leads through it. So I, I like your comments right. around that. So so we kind of yeah. covered a few of these, you know, lead generation strategies, and we could probably you know continue to talk about those, but that moves us into that that next phase, which is the call. And you said it could be either an inbound or an outbound call. Um, I guess, what what do folks need to know there in, in that step of the process?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, first off, they need to understand the goal of what this call is. Now, I don't know everybody that's listening to this podcast what your business is like, and yours might deviate a little bit from from the process I'm about to describe. But a typical process in the space that we're in, oftentimes has a lead generated that many times has to be converted to an appointment of some sort to go inspect what's going on to find out, you know, if you guys have a solution for what this consumer is looking for. So in other words, the call, again, either inbound or outbound, its mission is to set an appointment. It's not to sell the product. And oftentimes folks get confused with that deal. And if a call comes in or you're making an outbound call because you got a stack of lead from a home show, you, know, you find yourself getting into a conversation with people uh, about things that go well beyond what the mission of that call is, which is to give them a reason of why setting an appointment is in their best interest. So the mission of this, the call, is to sell the value of the visit, not the product, and I find that many companies are totally unskilled with this and don't train their people on this. you know they don't they don't think this is an important part of the process, but when you think about it, if this sale isn't made right here by sale, I mean setting an appointment, your salespeople do not get a chance to actually close the sale. So this is a critical part of it and there there's two aspects here that I think are important and we got to get through this quick. Uh, but one is, If you get some web leads in specifically, you've got to get to these people quickly with your follow-up call. Yes. So somebody submits a form online, if you're not with, if you're not to them within minutes, you're, you're blowing these things off and it's costing you money because you spent money to generate that lead. So statistical information shows that you literally got to get to these people within minutes. I saw some recent data from a home improvement uh, lead generation company that also sets appointments with people with the leads they generated. And they found that if they call back within a minute, they're 28% more likely to set an appointment than they are if they call back two or three minutes later. As goofy as that sounds, that's the reality of this deal. So fortunately, technology has processes, systems in place that can make this a reality for you. And when a web lead comes in, you know, you get alerted immediately and you have a process that get to them right away. So, speed is critical. Secondly, the call part of this needs skill. And on this part, I'm talking about getting your people that are on these calls trained up properly to say the right thing to sell the value of that business. Because the kind of questions that come in at this point are obvious. We get them all the time Hey, how much do these windows cost? You know, if you don't know how to handle that properly, you're not going to get to the point of letting a salesperson do their job in the home. So there are resources out there, scripting resources, that can teach people how to handle this and move this process along at this point. It's a critical part of it. And if I were to identify one of these key steps that many companies are kind of lacking in, this is the one right here.
0: Yeah, and I think your your comments around speed are are great too. I had seen some data that had similar percentages, you know, um, I think it was even a, quite a bit higher, but the the drop off um, is amazing. You know, just going from you know under thirty seconds to one minute to three minutes to five minutes, and you know, pretty much at, at ten minutes and beyond, it just it drops off so so much. And and it makes sense too. I mean, I always kind of like to think about you know how do I research and buy things and. You know, I'm on my lunch break and I'm doing Google searches and I find a company and I want to talk to somebody right then or I'm filling out a form and I need some information fast. Otherwise, I'm on to the next thing and, you know, I'm on the go. And so it's trying to meet those people where they are. And and that speed is so important. Sure is. That, you know, if you don't
1: if you don't act quick enough, they're going to take that money and buy a new big screen TV with. it. <laughs> and
0: We don't want that. Yeah. So no. So once you've got, you know, you've you've connected, you've had this call, and you've you've set the appointment. Um, you talked about this lead warming or kind of a pre-positioning phase that comes next. What does that yeah. look like in between that and the actual presentation? Yeah, that's something many companies don't do, and it's so easy, and it can
1: make a huge difference. And by the way, a Better Business Bureau, when when. When we asked them, what's the biggest consumer complaint about contractors? They said, lack of communication, which kind of surprised me.
0: Yeah, Uh, People
1: don't like that. They want to be communicated to. So here you are, you're at the point where you set an appointment. I don't know how much time might pass between when you set it and when it actually takes place, but however much time there is, do something in that time to pave the way for that salesperson to arrive at their location. And there's little things you can do that can break down barriers that can get you off the first impressions that you should do something as simple as an email that goes out with a picture of the salesperson that's coming, just introducing himself, that goes a long ways towards reducing anxiety, because they get that email, they go, oh, a human being is coming here. You know, I don't have to be so worried about this deal. So little things like that can truly help. Maybe send along a PDF with some consumer guide that whatever the recommendations are, a third-party consumer guide, whatever their recommendations are, you know, work hand in glove with whatever sales process you have. So if they do review it before you get there, you're fulfilling what's been recommended, which is going to help you. So lead warming can put you to the point where, your salespeople are welcomed with open arms rather than folded arms when they get to the home. You know, it'll decrease things like appointment cancellations and things such as that. And again, technology makes this so easy. You know, just one click of a button in you know, a CRM program can get this all working for you and, and it's going to really help you in your process. So from that point, it's really about the presentation. That's the next key. And uh, just a couple of thoughts on that. First off, I think we all agree with this, you know, when you when you put forth your presentation or you plan it, you'll simply have your customers' best interest at the core of what you do. That's the key to being successful. Make sure you're looking up for their best interest. You're gonna offer them a solution. Should you have the solution that they need, you're gonna offer them the solution that makes sense to them. So structure your presentation. My advice is use technology nowadays. People are frankly, expecting things like presentations on iPads, things such as that. You know, there's a great product on the market now out there called Leap, L-E-A-P. Has a presentation aspect to it, but it's also got an estimating tool associated with it. It's all hooked in with financing. Kind of a cool thing. So you might want to check that out. And those of you that are selling like exterior remodeling, some of this visualization software like RentalWorks. I don't know. When we're talking about differentiating ourselves from your competitors, I'm selling roofing, siding, windows, that kind of stuff. I could see, the best thing I could do is go to a potential client and say, hey, we're a little different here. What we do here is we're going to take a picture of your home, and we're going to work with you and kind of design this, what you're looking for, and we're going to be able to show you exactly what home, your home is going to look like after we're done, before you even decide to do it, rather than having you decide on a $15,000, 20000 project with little two-inch siding chip of colors. You know, that's a way to differentiate yourself if you're looking for that. So as far as the presentation goes, you know, those are just some thoughts I had. Anything from your end there, Spencer?
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's super powerful being able to, to, I guess, differentiate yourself that way. And um, you're right, you know, with technology, things things can be very, very easy. They don't have to be hard. And so, you know, removing as much friction as possible, I think, can really help seal the deal and, you know, and land that customer. And the other thing that that I was thinking about, as you were kind of talking about the um, you know the solution that you're creating for the customer and making sure that it is actually positioned to them and it's solving their problems, you know, we'll I'm sure we'll probably touch on this later when we get to repeat and referral strategies or creating raving fans. But sales and marketing is is just baked into everything that we do. It, it's not just the marketing part of it and the sales presentation. I mean, if you're really creating a great solution. And then as we move into delivering that solution, that's going to kind of, uh, form that cycle, you know? So, um, yeah, I think you, you make some, some good suggestions there. And and I'm sure most of the time when you're on the spot, people want to, they want to think about it, you know, or they're not necessarily going to side decide today on what, what they're going to do. And so, um, that kind of brings us to your, your next step, which is the, the follow-up or the lead nurturing, and so I'm curious to get your thoughts around this stage of the process because some people might think about it for a couple of days, a week, and then other people might think about it for months and months. So, what's kind of your your approach to, uh, I guess, handling the the different timeframes there?
1: You know, years ago, a lot of the training that went on in the businesses that many of us are in were were this: send your salespeople out, have them do the best job they can to close a sale. If they don't buy, forget them. (laughs) Go generate a new (laughs) lead and do it that way. Uh, Not the way it needs to be done nowadays, especially with the internet. Because there's really two types of buyers out there now. There are now buyers, which we love, but there's way more future buyers, which we also need to love. And those are the ones we want to concern ourselves with. So first, a little statistical information. You know, let's say you go generate 10 leads, give them to your salespeople. And by the way, in the in the exterior remodeling space, that's the statistical information I have here, the average cost to get a lead issued to a salesperson with all the marketing to generate the lead and get it through a confirmation process and all that is currently $376.70. A lot of money and it's going up. So go generate ten of those things and you're spending three to four thousand dollars. It's a huge asset for your business. And you gotta treat it like that. Here's what happens to those ten leads. Send your salespeople out. On average, it's sell three. It's been about the average ever since I've been in a business. Now, I know there's companies that are on, uh, listening to the broadcast here that maybe have a higher closing ratio than that, maybe some a little lower. But let's just run with that three being an average. And what we want to consider ourselves with is the seven that don't buy right away. And they tell your salespeople, hey, we're going to think about it, get other estimates, that kind of stuff. What happens to them? We've learned through studying this is that 60% of those people end up buying a similar project from somebody within a year. That's astounding when you do the math. Yeah, 4.2 more sales are coming from those original 10 leads. So if you just do the generate 10 leads, sell three and generate 10 more and sell three, and you're not concerned yourself with the rest of these, you are missing out big time. You got those 4.2 more sales that are available. So my advice to you is nurture them stick with them you don't know what's going to finally trip their trigger it might be a tax return check they get back six months later john says to mary you know mary we got the extra money now let's go ahead and get that deck ordered he says yeah you're right how about we get that company that was that was here a few months ago back and get it on the road and she says do you remember who they were (laughs) he says well no i can't well just do a google search find somebody that does decks And let's, let's get this going. So they end up on your competitor's website. He goes and gets your job, puts a job sign in the yard. You drive by it, ruins your day. We don't want that to happen.
0: No, we don't. So
1: to stop that, be in front of these folks as time goes on, touch them 10 to 15 times in the next year. Now, can you call them 10 or 15 times? No, they'll hate you. But maybe you can call them once or twice, maybe following up, possibly a postcard or a letter that goes out announcing a price increase, maybe an email here and there. I'm thinking about one email might be simply a link to Remodeling Magazine's cost versus value study for the year on the project they're considering. Hey, just thought you'd be interested in learning a little bit about the project you were considering and how it relates to increasing your home value. Enjoy the article. Do little things like that. And if you do that, Sooner or later, you can call it luck if you want. Sooner or later, you're going to land in that place when that tax return check comes back. And they're going to go, hey, yeah, let's get this done. That's lead nurturing. And it makes so much sense to do. And I know some of you on the broadcast are probably saying, 10 times? Really, Tim? Yep, really. When I think of 10 follow-ups, I'm thinking maybe six of them could be emails. Cost, roughly nothing. (laughs) Maybe two of them could be a direct mail piece. Maybe a price increase notice and something else cost maybe fifty cents each. So you got a dollar invested so far, and maybe two would be phone calls following up. Maybe one of the other things you've done cost I don't know maybe a dollar each. So you got two dollars for the phone calls, one dollar for the two direct mail pieces, no cost for the email. So you invested three dollars in your follow up campaign. Remember, you spent three seventy six to generate this lead. The question is, would you spend? $379 to get the additional 60% that are going to buy within the year. You know, yeah. and that's just a no brainer. Yeah. And again, technology makes it easy. It's cruise control with technology. You just attach a triggered process to that and all this stuff can happen all by itself. Pretty neat.
0: Yeah. Super cool. And and super powerful. I mean, when you, when you put the data together and run those numbers, I mean, the 4.2 extra sales that you're leaving on the table, and how much you've already spent to get those leads, and you you have their information. You know, you've you've talked to them, so that's awesome. Let's move to the next phase. You know, so let's say we've got this good nurturing program in place. We're we're closing our three out of ten, and we're picking up some on the back end through nurturing. How does this work once we get into the production phase? You know, you talked about um, the phase of creating raving fans. What does that look like?
1: Yeah. Well. Well, the point there is. Don't just satisfy your customer because they expect that, don't they? Absolutely. So go above and beyond and give them that remarkable experience that I mentioned. And then evolve them to the point and make sure communication is happening throughout the whole production phase. You know, when products are ordered, send them an email. You know, when they arrive, send them an email. Let them know what's happened throughout the whole process. And they'll remain your friend throughout the process. So do that kind of stuff. Give them that remarkable experience maybe do some things after the sale they're not expecting. You know, there's some certainly some things you can do along those lines. And then point them in a the direction to go ahead and give you some customer feedback, which is going to segue into getting the online reviews you want, which are like currency for your business nowadays. And I don't think we probably have to spend much time on that process. I think you did a broadcast with our friends from Guild Quality here and people can review that one because there's great information presented there of, of how to best do that. But that's That's what's going on at this part of the process is just making this person a raving fan.
0: Yeah, and I think this part is is truly overlooked in terms of thinking about it from a marketing and sales perspective. And, you know, you're like, great, we've landed the sale. You know, let's get them into production. Let's do a good job. But if you just go, go a little bit extra, you know, you can really that experience for them, like you said, you know, into just a, a super positive experience where they get done and they're like, man, that was just was so easy. I knew what was going on the whole time. I'm really happy with the outcome. And it's only if they get pushed to that point that they're actually going to be proactive in, in telling people and kind of like you said at the beginning of our, uh, our chat today, talking about the, the purple cow and if it really was a unique and different experience then they'll they'll share it absolutely so that leads us to the last phase, phase you know the seventh seventh phase that we want to talk about today and that's the repeat and referral strategies section so you know what can what can companies do to uh, enhance and bolster you know the work that they get from referrals and and past customers
1: you got it And this is the one that most of us love you know don't you love calls that come in and someone says hey you did six windows for us last year we want the other 12 closing rate on that's like 100% <laughs> Or someone calls and says, hey, thanks for doing the new kitchen for us last, you know, last week. Uh, my brother-in-law was over and looked at it and said, wow, that was awesome. You know, we've been thinking about doing that. Would you have that company get in touch with us? We love those calls too. But here's the deal. Too many of us are not proactive in soliciting as many of the type of stuff as possible, referrals and repeat business. We take it as it comes, and a certain amount will come to you, especially if you're doing a great job. But if you have proactive processes and systems in place, you're going to do much better at this. And what I'm talking about is, is track things like what's the potential future interest of a given client. Let's say you start a client off by selling them a gutter job, okay? Track and find out and have a place in your CRM that keeps track of the fact that, hey, this, this consumer told me through a survey that sometime down the road, they're going to get a new patio door or they're going to replace their roof and have that data available to you, and then put forth marketing campaigns that match that up with the right people at the right time. You're gonna see response rates go through the roof there because these aren't strangers to you anymore. These are people that know you, like you, and trust you, told you to sell them this particular thing down the road, and then proactively go after that and give them a reason to do business with you again. So actively go after this repeat business. And, And that said, consider your product mix, And make sure your product mix is made up of products that complement each other, where one thing can lead to the next, and so forth and so on. So really some thought should go into what you sell to maximize your lifetime customer value that you get out of every client you get. So I know some people will say, no, I just like specializing in sunrooms. And that's awesome. I'm not saying don't do that, but I but I do think it's worth consideration to realize that your asset, your biggest asset in your business. Your relationships with your clients. So figure out a way to leverage that the best you can. As far as referrals go, Spencer, um, I know we're a little low on time here. Um, Have a structured referral program, and most companies I talk to do, but they don't talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, don't keep it a secret. Have a process in in place that always gets that information out to people in terms of what your referral program is. And if you do so, you'll see more referrals come your way. So yeah. that kind of winds up the seven things.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome and I think uh like we said earlier we could probably break apart each of the seven, you know, in in greater detail, but I think, you know, just thinking about these things and going, "Okay, what am I missing here? You know, do I have any gaps in this process?" I feel like people are going to really see some quick wins and some improvements right away just kind of going through each of these phases and going, "Am I at least doing these?" And then once you're doing them, then you can look for all the improvements and yeah, starting to see how we can get to that 61%, um, maybe a little bit easier than, than we thought. So Tim, I've got, I've got one more question to kind of close us out for today, but um, if people want to learn more about you or connect with you, you know, what's the, the best way for them to, to connect online or, or get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, they certainly can visit our website. at www.marketsharp.com or if they wish to communicate with me directly, uh, my email address is tim at com. And feel free to reach out. Always interested in chatting with people that are doing this day in and day out and sharing ideas and, and trying to be the best we can
0: all be at what we do here. Awesome. Very cool. We'll make sure to to link up the website uh, so that it's easy for people to get to you. And yeah, to close us out, if you could leave our our audience with one piece of advice, what would that be?
1: Well, let me do this if you don't mind. Let me make that two. And <laughs> All right, I'll give you a The first box. thing is this. All right. The first thing is this. Consider what we just chatted about, these seven things. Reflect back to what we talked about with Vince Lombardi and the blocking and tackling. This is the blocking and tackling of our business. Try to determine if you can get a little better at every one of these things. And it's my guess that every one of us can. Some we might be able to get a lot more better than others. But I think if you will commit... To identifying these seven phases of the process and commit to get 10% better at what you do in that process, you're going to be amazed, but your business will then grow by 61% if you do that. And we actually have a a little spreadsheet called the Compounding Effects of Microgains that allows you to kind of work this out and use it in a staff meeting and motivate each other. And you can access that along with a bunch of other resources at www.marketsharp.com. Slash resources and play with that spreadsheet. It'll get you excited about what you can do to grow your business. So commit to having that 10% improvement. You know, UPS, you know, knowing your numbers is a great thing. And UPS a few years ago figured out if they stopped doing one thing, it saved them driving about 28 million miles a year wow. and 3 million <laughs> gallons of fuel. And some geek dove into the numbers and looked at things. And figured out that if they train their drivers and route their drivers to never turn left, efficiency goes through the roof. So that said, I think our mission is to think about these seven things we talked about, identify any of them that might be left turns in our business. Are we inefficient at some of these things? My guess is we might be. Let me just leave the the folks with this, Spencer, then we can sign off. Years ago, I was in a different business and I went to a conference there, of course, to learn how to get better. And uh, there was a guy there that was like the third most successful in the country you know, and I was okay, but nowhere near that. And I wanted a secret. So I took him aside and I said, Jim, tell me, what can I do to make my business look like yours when I come back here next year? He said, all right, Tim, you asked for it, I'm going to give it to you. And I got all excited. I had a pencil out, ready to write down this magic thing he was going to tell me. And I thought it was going to be, you know, a particular direct mail piece he used or something like that. And here's what he did. He looked at me and said, Tim, think about your business and how you got it to the point it's at right now? And ask yourself this question. And he said this. He said, Tim, if you do what you've always done, and I think everybody on uh, broadcast knows what he said next. And yeah, he did. He said, You're gonna get what you always got. And frankly, I wanted to slug him, Spencer. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> yeah, I wanted something specific. Yeah, the words. You know, th- and he gives me this th- goofy th- concept. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Obviously, we are now about four decades later. And I still talk about it. I think that's some of the best advice there is out there. But you know, in today's marketplace, if you do what you've always done, nowadays you're gonna get less than you always got in terms of results. So try to continue to improve, learn some things, add some things to your processes, your systems to make you better each and every day. And I think that's the magic to getting yourself like Jim's company was third best in the country. So listen, I appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you here, Spencer. I love what you're doing here in and sharing this kind of educational information.
0: Hey, well, thank you, Tim. This has been this has been awesome, and I think there's a lot of takeaways from this episode. And um, looking forward to to hearing some stories of people working on these these seven areas. And yeah, th- thanks so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us today on Builder Funnel Radio. Don't forget to visit www.builderfunnel.com for tons of free marketing and sales resources. And if you ever need hands-on help implementing your marketing and sales system, just send a quick note to radio at builderfunnel.com. And as we close for today, remember, never stop learning. See you next time.